0: Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed.
1: It's the True Faith podcast. It's the very first podcast of the season, 2018-19. It sounds so strange to say that, but here we are. The Newcastle United first team are back in training, or at least back at Darsley Park this week. Rafa Benitez, as we've found out through his brand new Instagram account, to follow very soon. So he is coming back. The, one of the major fears of last season is that he would walk out in the club and that clearly hasn't happened. So we're going to talk to you today. And by we, I mean myself, Alex Hurst, Adam Windritten, back for the new season and debutant on the free <laughs> podcast, Rob Clothier. Welcome, Hello, thank lads. You. All thank right. you. This podcast is sponsored by you, you lads and lasses, the listeners who sponsor us on Patreon for £5 a month. You get, like, I, I would say a two to four extra shows, but these days it's more like, like 16. I just see me putting on shows, like, every day, all day. <laughs> Loads of extra shows. He's um, a maniac. Yeah, yeah. we'll talk Caught about that himself. later. More on that later <laughs> when uh, Adam talks about one of the shows he did last night, which is uh, essential listening, in my view, for all Newcastle United fans. So we're going to speak to you good people today about basically where we are as a football club going into the new season and that's from the club's perspective potentially the manager's perspective and also us three and the listening fan base's perspective what constitutes a successful season where does the fan base stand how do we see the transfers going and how do we see the start of the season going after we've been handed once again by the not so random fixture generator Uh, a very (laughs) difficult start to the Premier League season Um, so that's about it for today we might have a couple of other things but Rob, Davyton, I'm going to start with you. Can you tell me right now, July the 5th or whatever we are, and it's not like this has been recorded and we can go back to it in months to come, what constitutes a good season for Newcastle United?
2: A good season for Newcastle United would be, for me, um, looking at strengthening the squad this summer, and in terms of, in the Premier League, I would say above probably 12th position for me. I don't know whether you guys would agree on, on that.
3: Yeah, I think um I think the idea that because we've got 10th position um, at the end of last season uh, that we should be looking at 9th, 8th, 7th this season I think is a, is is foolishness given the circumstances the, the this dystopia that we live under in Ashley's regime. I I'll probably go as far as agreeing with Rob with with respect to the a mid-table finish, um, but I think I think success beyond that is more about Rafa Benitez being able to get closer to the system that he wants to play with the personnel that are going to suit that, and I think I think that's going to be a theme, and it's going to explain a lot in terms of um, recruitment this summer. I think. I mean, we'll, we'll surely get onto a lot of that um, and you can hear a, a lot of rationale in the transfers uh, pod uh, that myself and Bolland uh, did last night on the Patreon subscription. But I think the the theme will be, people might not understand why we get rid of some players and bring others in, but you've got to know that Rafa is working towards a system that he wants to implement to a preferred style of play, we got by last season. Rafa will not want to get by this season as as much as we, you know, you know, we scraped a lot of a lot of fixtures and a lot of results, and we failed in a lot. He will not want the same thing to happen again. He will want more consistency. We will want us to be harder to beat. And I think what he saw in the last few months of the season. You you will want to build upon that because he seemed to finally find that formula that he thought worked, and it, and it ultimately was the key to our survival. But recruit, recruitment will centre around Rafa Benitez's system, how he would like to play, but it might people might be a bit um, scared at first mm-hmm. with who might actually go out the door. I think it's it's a sense of having a lot of faith in a manager who knows a hell of a lot about this industry
1: from my perspective it's it's not so much about what i think or what we think it's just the fascination that we're probably the only club in the league where you've got three different levels of expectation of what constitutes a good season and i imagine that the football club would like to stay in the premier league and the manager to sign a new contract and much more than that is probably not that relevant to them listen they are what they are they, they still want to finish as high as possible for a number of reasons they still want the you know as a football club like Charney Mike, actually still want the club to do well but if you were to give them now 15th, not too many scrapes with the relegation zone, pretty comfortable season, don't do anything in the Cups, and Rafa Benitez stays, I reckon they'd bite your hand off at that. Whereas as fans, we we'll probably think we'll, we'll be delighted that Rafa stays, but can I be bothered with another season of kind of lower Premier League mediocrity? Yes, but not 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 really. That's not what going to be a new season football fan should be hoping for. Then you've got the fans, and like you lads have just said, you're not necessarily expecting us to challenge the top 10 but it, you know you mentioned 12th place so it would be nice to be kind of like that traditional mid table which used to exist before the Premier League was, like, it was before the Premier League relegation battle it was like 12 teams for much of the season before teams pull away you look at Everton for example in Allardyce in March people were talking about them being dragged into a relegation battle when they lost six games in a row and ended up finishing ninth I think it would be nicely part of that kind of traditional mid table if it does indeed exist where we're just not even thinking about relegation past October, because the start of the season, anything can happen. It's really those autumn, winter months when the table's shaped. Um, and then you've got the manager, like you correctly said, Adam, who probably does want to finish in those 7th, 8th, 9th, 10th positions or higher, because he sees that as a progression. He sees that moving more closely to where he wants to be, and there's no way he will sign a new contract if Newcastle have no prospect of being a top-six side in the next, in the duration of his contract, say, saying so he signs another three-year deal. So I think you've got three different areas of expectation. Whilst they all want the same thing, I'm sure Rafa wants to be able to stay, the club want him to stay, we want him to stay, and we all want to finish as high as possible. I think every other club in the Premier League, unless you can name one, maybe Everton everyone in on on the in those clubs is pulling the same direction where and i think you've got like three different demographics maybe and obviously the fan base to say the fans want this is such a broad brush to, to paint a lot of people you've got your idiots two think we should be top four that rafa doesn't do a good job extreme minority that they are they do exist um and then you've got your people who are you know 17th would be good again because we're getting rid of this player and and whatever so i'll just open that up to you lads would you would you agree would you think that were kind of a unique club in that respect in the Premier League that we've got these three different areas like kind of totally detached from each other?
3: I I would say not. I think it's 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 possibly us being in a bubble slightly. I think there's given how the last two seasons have gone, there's been a there have been a lot of clubs, like you say, that have been in that that bottom half of the table, you know, not many points between say eighth and seventeenth or even down to twentieth. So I think there'll be a few clubs, you know, like you know what is look, think about Southampton fans? What do they think success will be? They scraped survival, but are they really expecting to be in eighth? Some of them might think that because they finished eighth um, a couple of seasons ago, but then others might think, "Well, come on, look where we've just been. It's got to, we've got to be in stage. We've got to be realistic." So I think I think there are other couple of sort of I guess. Bigger, more established club. It's difficult saying Newcastle being established. We like to think so, but obviously we have been down in the second tier a couple of times, so we've got to be slightly more aware of (laughs) where we've come from. But on the whole, in in terms of Premier League history, we we are we are a more a much more established uh, club in the Premier League than say Burnley, even though they did finish seven. What do what what do Burnley fans think that um, uh, success is going to look like for them? They can't possibly think that they're going to have exactly the same season they've just had because. That that kind of model will not. It just will not work uh, in the Premier League. Teams will settle. People get found out, and they'll find their equilibrium. So, I don't think we're the only club um, who will have different levels of expectation. Um, I think a lot of clubs in the Premier League are going to have split opinions from from fan bases.
1: And that's and that's fine from fan bases. My my comment about Newcastle is that the ownership is so far removed from the expectations and demands of fans and the manager. So, for example, if, if Mark Hughes was to finish 17th again, he'd get sacked. I, I don't doubt it. Uh, whereas if Rafa Benitez was to finish 17th, he wouldn't get sacked. Now, he might walk away, which is the different thing Mark Hughes isn't going to walk away from his two million pound a year job so that's why Newcastle for me and you know Burnley's a good point but Burnley have got Europe yeah, but you know Burnley and I I think a lot of Burnley fans will be will not be expecting a relegation battle and I, I agree with you and I think they might well be in one but I just think that Newcastle are unique for that reason in terms of the demands normally the demand look at Southampton's a good example actually some raised it. look at them getting rid of Claude finishing eighth cup final that's almost like, it's it's ridiculous and in a sense admirable because the people running that club, foolish as they were, demanded better, you know, because it was the 8th on 46 points They didn't score six home games in a, in a row and all that kind of stuff. So, so that makes sense. But I still think that we are unique as a football club in terms of the difference in opinion about what constitutes a successful season while we sit here in July. Um, season ticket deadline has been extended several times. The clubs say that's... Uh, due to administrative reasons and technological reasons there was a flurry of transfer speculation yesterday or the day before and it just seems like we're set up for another one of those summers in terms of transfer speculation now i also think we're unique as a premier league club because we are probably pretty certain here will be the only club that will not allow director investment from the director the main shareholder or borrow funds um Based against future Premier League TV income. Kieran Maguire, the Price of Football, noted yesterday, the day before, that Man City had taken out a big loan and either paid it off or taken out another one, secured against Premier League television rights incoming. But we won't do that. So we're in like, a unique financial position as a football club going into the 17, 18, 18 19 season. And I suppose, yeah, what we're 10 minutes in the podcast now, we're still kind of in the, in the introduction part of it. But you know, you lads have just kind of said what you what you consider success. What do you think the club considers success? Is is a million miles from what you what you lads have just said?
2: I think um, you go back to when uh, we were almost relegated on the final day against West Ham, and Mike Ashley came out, didn't he? And he said he was going to stay until what did he say? Until he'd won something, which also included finishing top four to the Champions League. So, I mean, it, I, I still find it hard to believe that, though. To be honest, that that is actually is. His ambition, I, I just don't see it as being reality. To be honest, I think um, he came out and said that just to get the fans back on the side of the time. I think, I think probably they they say success would be probably maybe get pushing for to get in, in uh, maybe the Europa League or at least the top eight of the Premier League. Um, again, l- like you say, it's 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 a different. It's a very different. Uh, I I agree with Alex. I think it's it, There's a different. There's different outlooks on what is successful at the club from fans the board and probably Rafa as well I don't know what you think I
3: mean I just I mean it's 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 now dawning on me that a takeover is not going to happen this summer um I think we'd all put that in our back pocket around February March to say right well once Premier League survival is secure consortia will come back in with a bid, will stavely, you know, prove a metal. Um, That's gone completely quiet. I probably don't expect that to come back. I think Ashley's talk of 400 million valuation is just another one of his games. I, 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 I don't think anyone can read him. I don't think anyone knows what's going on, but I, I agree with you, I, Alex. I, I think uh, I think it's going to be definitely another one of those summers, very frustrating. However... I do think, I do think there'll be enough sales revenue generated for Rafa to steer the team towards this system that he want that he would prefer to play. Um, and We do have a reasonable amount of saleable assets um, that I don't think we had that last last summer. So I think, I think there's opportunity there, and if you think that you know, Marino is all but done a he'll be away this weekend according to all the big media outlets Mitrovic seems to have been pretty much done as well i reckon it's just all about trying to probably eke a couple of extra million out of fulham because we know that he wants we know that he uh, Mitrovic wants to go there we know that fulham want him so i think you know i, I out of those two players who actually didn't feature at all during our very good run to get upwards of 30 million, which we know that Rafa can be, you know, he's he's as I keep mentioning, I mentioned on the transfers show yesterday, he will look for bargains, he will look for release clauses, he will look for loans, he will look for free transfers. He's very savvy in the market. He has a lot of contacts. He will be made aware of a lot of player situations which will dictate his his transfer targets list, um, however long or unrealistic that may be, but you know that's an ex. That's just thirty million from from nowhere. That doesn't affect the team that we were playing. Yeah. So that that's a positive spin on things. Would do, do we wish we were in? We weren't in this situation that we were. That you know th- this is the difficult thing because we know we have, everybody knows the TV money comes in yet we'll be playing it as if we don't have that money, which just doesn't work because everybody has that money. We're just opting not to spend it uh, or or not to be released. Um, It's tricky. I know there's some people, I I know Chris Holt is very optimistic about how much we will actually spend this summer. I think his figure is about 70 million, he reckons. Maybe that could happen through the player sales, but I'd, I don't think Rafa will get any more than sort of 35, 40 million from the club anyway. Like, We can't just rely on player sales to get players in because if if Ashley... We we say that there's no logic to Ashley's strategy at all. If he knew anything about football, he would invest because he knows that that 10th position is not going to happen again. It was miraculous. It, we, we, we lucked out and we only finished in the top half on goal difference in the end. Finishing 13th, 14th, you know, is it's pretty much the same situation, but it has a much you know more cautious outlook on things. I honestly don't know what's going to happen. It's it's it, it it it. I don't understand what success is to Mike Ashley. It doesn't. Nothing he does makes any sense. And I think it's it's going to be a it's going to be a long five weeks. And it's we haven't got that much time in, in the same time it's going to be long but it's it's going to go over so quickly it's going to be arduous the sagas are going to come out the fake news stories that keith bishop might be planting everywhere that you know because of season ticket sales uh, what it's a, it's it's a joke man and it's 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 going to be it's going to be very annoying for the lot of us i think
1: a few things i want to pick you both up on Rob, you said, you talked about Mike Ashley, fourth position, Um, doesn't seem realistic. I think Mike Ashley literally makes it up as he goes along. The interview with Lee Charnley, interview, press release, whatever you want to call it, with some of the Nationals, the local lads who work for the Nationals, where he said that beating Spurs 5-1 basically transformed Ashley's thinking into a Sutherland-esque cost-cutting measure to keeping Rafa Benitez and saying what Rafa wants, what Rafa gets, and running the club at a loss and him putting more money in. That's scary to think that. You know those decisions are made on whims, and I think the elation of beating West Ham and avoiding relegation, and having gambled on John Carver and got away with it, and not spent any money for three and a half, two and a half transfer windows, whatever it was, that was just him in the moment, almost like a like a like a kid or like a you know an excitable adult. So I would wouldn't attach too much to. not that I'm saying oh, but i just generally no, I honestly yeah. think that if he gave him that time again, he wouldn't ma- wouldn't have made that no, statement. He's, he's but, yeah. devoid of strategy. Yeah, he
3: Nothing he says makes any sense. It, like you say, it's whimsical, yeah. and that. How can anybody, especially somebody like Rafa Benitez, plan any sort of team or future or career around working for somebody like that? It's, 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 it is. You talk about the England manager job being the impossible. This is the yeah. impossible <laughs> yeah. job.
1: Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah, and, yeah. And, and, I mean, you, you know, you talked about club not spending the money and where you won't spend it. I don't think it's a case of not spending it it's not spending it before it comes and that's what all the other clubs you look at you look at Cardiff now they don't have if they've paid eighty, ninety million 90 million quid as reported for some player and they played 15 million for Josh Murphy they don't have that money in the bank either they're loaning it like a soft loan because very short term loan bank's going to make some easy money or a finance company or the owner is going to put that money down to create to create some space Newcastle have spent all of their money since Fourteen, fifteen. literally there's no money in the bank there's no money payments to make actually that money that has come in from whatever source has gone back out wages players agents administrative costs so it's i'm not accusing anyone of in, in castle of not spending the club's money on footballers because they clearly have the big issue that we'll have now now that we should have some money like you correctly say is we ran at a massive loss last year are those loans going to be paid back to Mike Ashley? Because whenever a director makes a loan into a company, that is, that's in the last financial accounts, so that was to be paid back next year. Now, of course, he can take action to defer that to... I mean, he could convert it in equity if he so liked, but he has refused to do that so far. So the club still owe him a massive debt. If we don't pay Mike Ashley any money back, um, there should be money to spend right now, a significant chunk. And you, you've seen today baffling, really strange things in in papers about... You know, final turning down, you know, 18 million for Jorgensen from Newcastle. Um, well, at the time, we'll like to believe we literally had no money. That's why we we'll had to buy a loan players. So unless final were literally willing to take it all in installments in a year's time or six months' time, I just find I just find those arguments bizarre. But it's important, and I wrote this in my article last week. It's important for us to pick our battles with the clubs because too many people want to hammer them at every single thing that they do, and they get a lot of things right. I'm not talking Mike Ashley here, I'm talking about Mike Ashley did, did get the approach to the championship right for six months. And then for some, you know, some switch in his head clicked and we went back to no money in January, no investment, no loans, only loans to cover literally running, keeping the lights on essentially. Um And, you know, the, the, there are a lot of positive things going on at the football club. So I don't want to be one of those people that just hammers them for everything they're doing. They, they do spend all of their money, Um, you know on footballers there isn't money you know know, 13, 14, 12, 13 those seasons there was money in the bank and we didn't spend it
3: but your argument falls down as 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 you well know that the fact that yes we might not have any money in the bank but don't own a fucking football club if you can't afford to run it don't buy a Ferrari and stick unleaded in do you know what I mean it's, it's, it's 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 insanity like this situation is of his own doing and he can easily get himself out of it but he chooses not to I don't want him to. I I don't want us to tarnish him. uh, Sorry, I don't want us to, to glorify him with he runs the club well, he doesn't spend money, he doesn't have. That's, in my eyes, that is not a good thing. That hasn't been a good thing for many years. Yes, be cautious, but don't. There's being cautious and there's being Mike Ashley, and they're two very, very different things. He's heartless, he doesn't care. And as a fan base, as a club, and a manager, we deserve a lot better. We, 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 ah, oh, it, it really, really irritates me, and we shouldn't have to put up with it. If he doesn't like it, if he doesn't want to spend money, the fact that we, the idea that we are in his debt because you know he, he, we owe him 129 million or whatever it is, like anybody else coming into the club who wants to own the club, and I, and I, I fully believe that there have been people out there. Who who could have come in had Mike Ashley been a willing seller. I'm not just saying Staley. There probably have been other, but it'll stop at the first hurdle the minute he starts playing silly buggers with negotiations and and changing the goalposts and just making it up as he goes along. He plays games, and the for the for the duration that he will still be at Newcastle United, he will continue to play games, and we're all at his uh, at his, his you know beck and call of, of of Ashley and what he decides to do at any one particular moment.
1: And I'm not arguing for a second that any of those things you've accused me of arguing. No, sorry, yeah, I'm like, just... So yeah. it, it, it's just, it's it, in trying to understand what's going on in Newcastle, you have to take things into consideration, which we all which we all do, and the club spend its money. doesn't mean it's right, it doesn't mean that Newcastle is the only club in the Premier League who won't borrow money. I mean, forget about fucking Mike Ashley not putting his money in or being ambitious. Let the club borrow some money for a few months to buy some footballers to keep winning the Premier League like last summer, etc., etc., etc. Back to this point of this podcast and where we are going in the new season. It's very much a case to me of... I'm I'm the football club. I'm Mike Ashley or Lee Charlie or whoever or Justin, whatever his name is, Barnes, and who seems to have gone off the radar. And I'm thinking, you know, your 12th sounds really, really appealing. Um, Away from the relegation battle, sounds really appealing. Cup runs, who gives a fuck? Nice. As long as it doesn't affect the Premier League form, as long as he changes a few players in the early rounds, Nice. The pro- that what I'm gonna put you now, put this to you, Rob, is when do the fan base start to turn? And it's like let's let's be honest, because we're all big Newcastle fans we all think Newcastle fans are great and we're unique and all this and that. But in the past, let's, you know, last season we we beat Stoke 2-1 and Stoke are shit. But we beat them 2-1 and we play well. And we should have won by loads more. And and we me and the lads would we'll go out into town for an unplanned night out because we're so happy that we've won at home in the Premier League <laughs> against Stoke who are shit. Mm-hmm. That that doesn't happen season after season. So you've got Newcastle, we're beating Chelsea. final day of last season. You've got Arsenal, you've got Man United, you've got those wins. Do you think that the fan base would be comfortable with a very mundane 12th place finish this season you take a couple of batter you go to Man City, you stick everyone behind the ball, you get done 3 0, you move on. We're positive on the podcast because that's what we do. Is is that going to be enough for a lot of people? Do you think people are not going to, particularly with the manager not signing a new contract, by the way? I think if he signed yeah, a new contract, yeah. people might buy into it a little bit more. But where do you see the fan base going this season and stuff like that? Uh,
2: I think, that, again, as you sort of uh, alluded to earlier, we've got a lot of fans who do seem to think that we're entitled to. Champions League football, it's a very small minority, isn't it, to be honest. But, you know, um, I think, yeah, I mean, if if, um, if we had a season where we just ticked along, um, picked up a few wins, a bit similar to last season, I, I don't think people would be too disappointed, to be honest, um, as long as, I think, at, at the minute, I think what genuinely what what the fan base want to see is Rafa being supported by the club. Uh, and what uh, it's almost like what happens on the pitch happens. Um I, personally, I just want I want I want Rafa to get his new contract signed, um, so that we can look forward. Going back to Ashley, you know his um, his lack of investment just does that just does that just prove that he's not, he's not he's not he doesn't want to be here long term. He, he wants he's not prepared to put that money in. He's not prepared like like you were saying, take loans to like other clubs would do to buy players and then pay it later. Um, he just wants to deal with the here and now almost. Um, <clears throat> yeah, I, I, I think, um, going back to your original question, I think if we were to have a similar season to last season, and don't, don't forget as well, when I say a, f- a 12th place finish, that's still pretty much in a relegation <laughs> battle from last season, because the bottom half of the table was the relegation battle, wasn't it really? The bottom half, I mean, all the way up to, what, 10th, probably? Nine, uh, 11th, 12th? So, I think so long as we're not struggling down again flirting with relegation even if it was just like a, like you like you said a classic sort of mid-table finish I I don't think that would be too uh, unwelcome by the fans to be honest.
3: I think that has to be represent that would have to represent progress. Um we 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 flirted with relegation far longer than we really should have done last season and we got, we only got out of it <clears throat> towards those last yeah, kind of couple it? of months between sort of like it was March and April kind of time, wasn't it? um around the time we played um Huddersfield and Southampton back to back that was the kind of the turning point and that was the that was the moment that we essentially secured survival but if if we can kind of like you say have a similar season but secure that survival a lot earlier, maybe like Obviously, not yeah. secure. It's never going to be math- mathematically, but you know, if you get a feeling that you feel a lot more secure around February you do, you time, just, you
2: just want some of the anxiety taken away a bit earlier in the season. That, that's so, it. Do you know what I mean? You just want to you you want to be able to look forward and think, all right, it's you know, it's it's January, February, and we're kind of tenth, eleventh, twelfth, and there's a bit of a gap down to you know maybe eight, nine, ten points down to seventeenth. You
1: know what? Can I, I? I just want to potentially disagree because I want you to be right. But I, I remember under Pardue when we were 10th in January and we didn't spend any money in January, in January and then the rest of the season was almost a write-off and people talked about being bored. A lot of people didn't go to matches. Same when the Sacked, no, when sorry, not Sacked, when Pardue left and Carver came in, obviously had a, both seasons had a massive dip in form, but there was a lack of interest. I just worry. Last season, replace the wins against Man United, like Arsenal and Southampton with wins over West Brom. Watford and Bournemouth at home. Yeah. I think that the the season isn't remembered as fondly. No one loves Matt Ritchie as much. People would still love Matt Ritchie, but he scored that goal. And a lot of the debate you've seen around Matt Ritchie, and you know, even Mark Douglas talked about it when he was tweeting about it today saying Matt Ritchie should should stay if he goes, he's a massive dressing room. And he scored that goal last season. And, Cause that goal was so important last season. He cast to lose that game and go to Bournemouth the next week. We could we might have got relegated. Who knows? Probably not, but because we still had a good team with good players. But I just I'm just worried the season might be what you say and that we'll get to January in 12th place and I've just looked at the 2000 2001 season there's your definition of mid-table mediocrity Newcastle 11th place 51 points which probably <laughs> enough for Europe these days yeah. um, but there was no danger at all of relegation I, and I was very you lads were broadly the same age you know at the time I remember people being pissed off then and I'm kind of worried that with the manager not st- st- you know, st- um, signing a new contract that the season might fizzle out in a way it didn't last season I'm gonna
3: disagree with you slightly on the fact that I think that interest waned with Pardew and Carver in charge for very, very obvious reasons. They were they were they were con men, they were shysters, they didn't they didn't know what they were doing. It was the was rule the dice tactics. The 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 impact that Rafa Benitez has had, I think will always ensure that as long as he's sat in that dugout, there'll be flag displays, there'll be 52,000 people out their seats. Chanting for him, serenading him, and the buzz around Newcastle United will still exist as long as he is is there and he is at the helm and that's why I think it will be different and you know you could you could argue, oh well, it's just another you know it's a tenth place that you know Pardew finished well it's it's not I think a lot of people appreciate just how difficult these circumstances are. we've seen it for years. Rafa has, has, has brought the buzz back. He's added magic back. I don't think that just disappears, even if we are sort of just you know stumbling around mid-table. I still think the very fact that he's there means that it is going to be exciting. I think the players that he will bring in, and he will bring in players. We We, we won't bring in no players. We will bring in some players. Whoever they may be, that's up for debate as well. Are they good enough? That's up for debate as well. But I think the players that he is allowed to bring in will still improve us in the sense that it will be better for Rafa and better for, again, I keep harking on how he wants to play. And I think that in itself will mean that we play a more exciting brand of football as well. We spent the last season without possession playing fast counter attack. Rafa absolutely wants to control games more. He wants us to have possession. Currently we don't have the players, that are able to be comfortable on the ball. Key is a player who can change that. And I think anybody else coming in, I think one of the criteria, and it might be kind of like a money ball thing, he'll be looking for players who have good pass completion rates that are comfortable on the ball, that won't get panicked, have the composure, and we can start passing around a bit. And actually, I think to watch that, as much as we do know our counter-attack game, and it worked for us when we finally realized how to use it, we we, we we learned to be very defensively solid as well certainly the second half of the season after that awful run but I think the, the players that he's looking to bring in and the reasons why means that the style of play will be more attractive I think and people will get on board with it and will probably get more confidence simply by just having more of the ball and I think that's what he's trying to work towards so I think i as much as it might not be too different in terms of the amount of points and results that we get, and maybe we won't get the as many scalps this season of the of the of the bigger clubs, I still think, regardless of whether he signed his contract or not, which will always obviously be um, a point of to be wary about, it'll it'll be a cloud over our heads until he does sign it or we know what his future is. But as long as he's there, playing the way that he wants to play, there'll be excitement and it'll be really, really good to watch, I think.
1: Interesting. you mentioned the possession thing. Me and Norman on the, for patrons, the extra, shows that they get for five-pound a month, we're halfway through a game-by-game review of last season where we'll talk through every single fixture from last season and any recurring themes, tactical trends, fan reactions, and you had to go quite a long way to find a game that Newcastle won having more of the ball. I might even want to say Huddersfield at home, um, where, you know,
3: which is mental. <laughs> Any game where we had more of the ball, we really, really struggled for a long time. But Overall, we were third lowest in the entire Premier League for possession. Yeah, Third lowest.
1: That's not Rafa Benitez, is it? Not um, at all. Not at all. That brings me nicely, Adam, thanks to the next part, which I want to talk about in terms of the start of the season. You had last season started badly, then it got much better, then it got drastically worse for a long time, and then it got like insanely better, dipped and then finished well. What kind of Newcastle United goes into that new season? Is it the Newcastle United of six best forms since Christmas? Or is it? The or do you have to look at the season as a whole and think, you know what, we were the best, te- the 10th best team in the Premier League because we finished there. We, we came in from the championship with not a load of momentum because we kind of got ourselves over the line. It was difficult. We lost a few games, dropped a few points. We didn't have to. And that seemed to come into the new season compared to Huddersfield, compared to Brighton, who started fantastically both picking up crucial points. Huddersfield, practically their first four games, kept them in the Premier League. How do you see our start of the season now? It's a difficult question because you've got new players, you've got tactics changing. Are we going to maintain that positive performance level, which we've had since, what, January, Mm -hmm. February, in the Premier League, into the new season, or is it literally start
2: again? I think... um it, it's it's going to be a bit it's going to be a bit of both because the players who have been in 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 last like this season who are still going to be in the team will have that momentum from last season. The new players who come in will obviously do they'll they'll know like how we finished last season, uh, strong finish this season so they'll hopefully buy into that as well. Um, and like you say, the, the t- if if he does bring in a lot of new players for the starting eleven, they're going to have to have time to gel in um season is gonna be very important. you know they keep talking about getting players in before uh the the preseason begins. Um, it's important to get players well to fuck that up well, it yes. started now yes. it has um, the back training um, we've, we've got Key and well obviously Dubravka's D- 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 already been with us since January so um, you a good
1: point though you're right that was sp- explicitly stated by the manager that's what he wanted but. I know
2: and but yeah but it's just another example isn't it of something the Rafa wants and doesn't get And uh, <laughs> quite honestly how he puts up with it I don't know but I, I, I admire him for it and uh, that's one of the reasons I love him so much um, I think I um, think we're gonna to have to wait and see how the how any new players that we get gel into the team. I would like to see them hit the ground running. I'd like Shelby not to get sent off in the first game. Um, we should have had a point off Spurs in the opening, at least a point off Spurs in that opening game last season. We we'll matched them up until that point. Oh, we're
1: better than the away game, in my opinion. Yes,
2: um, I, th- I think again you've both sort of alluded to it as well. The fact that if we can turn some of those niggly one nil. Daft defeats to Burnley, Brighton, Huddersfield, etc. You know, if we can turn some of them, even just in the draws, or if we can nick, nick the win out of them, and still still get some good results off the Man Uniteds, the Ch- Chelsea's, Arsenal's, then there's no reason why we shouldn't again be looking to finish in the in the in the top half.
3: I think for that opener against Spurs, I think we have a really really good chance. I want to be optimistic about this. I think a lot of Spurs will have played in the World Cup; they'll be jaded the World Cup final. Potentially, yes. <laughs> uh, as we all know. Ha- Denmark have gone out. <laughs> as we all know, Harry Kane doesn't score in August. So that's just absolute fact. Um, so that's fine. We don't have to worry about Harry Kane. Um, Deli Ali's just pretty much been injured for the entirety of the World Cup. So, you know, hopefully he's still hobbling later. Um, but, but, you know, I think where, I think we, Rafa will know this is it. He will know what his strongest eleven is to an extent. It obviously will massively depend on who we bring in and how that changes. But actually, I think, the, I think this summer is going to be a lot more about squad depth and options. Um, yes, we need to bring in a couple of key first-team players. We'll see how they, they play out. Um, if we were to bring in somebody like Andros Townsend, for example, at least if that happened, he could probably integrate quite quickly. He knows the club he knows the manager and he probably knows what's going to be expected of him as well so i think in terms of the style of play i know i mentioned the possession thing i don't think we'll 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 do that against spurs per se i think we'll kind of try and play the same way but i think i do fancy us in that opening day of the season i think it's we all what we all know about the opening day of the season it's always sunny it's it's always sunny um and had, again, had it not been for that daft shel- shelvy uh, step mm-hmm. on his little finger, which really puts the Neymar thing into, <laughs> yeah. into perspective, Aye. and then I, I think I think we'll be a lot more assured about what we're doing as a team. Will have gelled more, and I just think we'll be fitter because we've had we've had nobody at the World Cup yeah. beyond Mitrovic. on his way out anyway, so key as well. But yeah. yeah. I think I, I I do fancies for the start of the season, I think it will give us a good springboard um going into that those first few fixtures, we should have we should have no fear. People have seen how defensively solid we were. We just need to build on that. Um and I fancy at home, I really do.
1: I really thought that game against Chelsea, albeit the opposition wasn't at its most motivated, though still a very strong team out. I think that's close to how I, I think Rafa Benitez wants us to play. That wasn't a backs to the wall i've just checked the stats they had 58 possession but still we had 16 shots to their six you know that was a kind of shots were in and from all angles your two wingers were very high up the pitch were pushed high i think that's how he wants us to play to press not maybe have the ball but certainly this stage of our footballing season as it were um and i think that might be similar if we play the same way against spurs i, I really could see us causing spurs some problems spurs can cause us some problems because they've got very good very good players. And you saw against che- that Chelsea game, second half Chelsea had quite a few chances where normally when we play teams you know, the likes of Arsenal, we didn't allow them a chance essentially in the second half. Man United until the last couple of minutes or the last 10 minutes didn't really force much um, after going 1-0 down. But Adam?
3: I was just going to say there's something that... Um, I was doing a bit of research for an article... Um, Rafa Benitez his preferred style I mean he was this is when he's back as Napoli manager he was sort of asked about Barcelona's tiki-taka style and possession and how important is possession he's like well obviously it is possession but it needs to be a balance between possession and effectiveness and I think that notion was proven last season because as we've talked about on this in this conversation here we very rarely had the lion's share of possession however in terms of chances created shots on goal we're probably about Eleventh, twelfth in the league, rather than you know possession, we're about seventeenth, sorry, eighteenth. Um, I think it where we were nineteenth, for example. Um, but it's this effectiveness. We don't have much of the ball, but when we do have it, we do make things happen, which probably surprised quite a lot of people. Even even during those that awful run, we were still creating chances. We just things we just didn't seem to get the rubber. You know, any of the luck, say against Bournemouth or against Everton, the very winnable games that um, even that, that that Burnley one. You know, you you just think that we were we were the better team, but just didn't, we just didn't, it just didn't happen for us. And that'll happen again. And there's nothing to say that we won't have another awful run uh, next season because, realistically speaking, our squad is will still be relatively poorer than a lot of the other clubs out there who might have spent. But what we'll have is we'll have. A world-class tactician, um, rallying his troops, drilling them, and I think that 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 counts for a you know that's that's worth a th- thirty million pound player in your in your starting lineup. I think it counts for a lot. But it's this idea of effectiveness which we saw last season, and I and I think will only improve next season. He's all about marginal gains. Rafa Benitez, he's he's forever the perfectionist. We won't get it. You won't get it perfect next season. Again, it just will not happen. Even if he had all the resources in the world, he wouldn't get it perfect. But there very, there's very few people out there that could achieve that. Pep Guardiola is probably the, the one closest to doing that. 100 Premier League points. Never been done before. It's incredible. 600 million pounds spent. Ab- of course. <laughs> no, absolutely. Absolutely. But there's been plenty of other managers who have spent that much money and got it wrong. But Pep Guardiola went out and bought players that he knew would fit his system. He bought pacey fullbacks, because that's how he wanted to play. And and to a much lesser extent, the, the same ideals will exist with Rafa Benitez. He will look for those players that will fit his system. They might not be the, the best targets um, or the most expensive targets, but every player that he brings in will have a purpose. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think um,
2: with Rafa playing, like we were saying just then, or you guys were saying, Rafa's the way he's having to play with less possession isn't the way he's used to setting his teams up and he's still finished 10th in the Premier League. If 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 he can eventually get Newcastle to a place where he's where we're not maybe maybe not dominating games but if we have near it a 50% possession then who knows how much the the results will will improve uh, with that.
1: Definitely and I think really interesting will be the comparison between the two lineups same ga- same game opening day same opposition and while I think Spurs will be almost identical um, because they've got their big players, they're kind of settled as a as a team that might add one or two. I don't think Sassoka will be playing, but we'll, time will tell. Yeah. But if you look at Newcastle, it all, it's like already going into this game, we're already in a better position, which you know Lee Charlie doesn't listen to this podcast. But Lee, if you listen, just ignore <laughs> me and buy some players. <laughs> <laughs> if like, you think about it, we've got we've got Dubravka, massive upgrade to Rob Elliott and goal that day. We're gonna have Paul Paul Dummett for the whole game, who had to go off and what Manquillo came on.
3: We'll have Lejeune for the whole we'll game. Have, yep, we'll have yep. Lejeune for the whole game. We'll have <laughs> the
1: cells for the whole game.
3: We'll have Shelby um, not getting sent off because I believe in him. Believe him. We'll have no
1: Isaac <laughs> Hayden. We'll have hopefully the same yeah. the army that we saw last season. So already that Newcastle team, which did so well against that Spurs team, is in quite good shape. And if, like as you say, if you can add an Andros Townsend, who, by the way. If we don't sign him, I never want to hear his name again. <laughs> like, three transfer windows. In fact, when he comes to James's Park, I want him to play with no name and number on his back. Just just out of respect for the fans who've had to fucking listen to his name, like, bandied about in transfer stories for three transfer windows in a row. And he doesn't come. If he doesn't come, the football media should just resign. Like, there were thousands of words that must have been written. And spoken by the likes of us. Yeah. <laughs> um but yeah, like yeah, so so I think we're going to be in a good place anyway because the team has got so much better through Benitez and through the the journey they went on last season to become a good football team by the end of it. Um, I mean, if you can add a decent, you know, another decent winger in Kennedy up there, then I'd, I'd, I'd be really confident, like you lads are. And I'm, I'm to move it move it on from this. But because we've gone on for forty two minutes about like <laughs> one part of the show, um, I'm confident of a top ten finish next season if Rafa Benitez is remotely backed now. Like like you sell them, the 30 million quid from your sales, 30 to 40, depending on who goes. um Maybe another 40 million quid, which is what was spent last season, 46 million pounds. It wasn't net, but it was 46 million pounds spent. If he was to get maybe like, you know, the Chris Holt 70 million figure, albeit players who won't be on massive wages, albeit maybe not number one choices, I still back the team to get much, much better. Add in your Jacob Murphy with a full preseason and stuff like that. I'm confident that we'll have five weeks to reassess these views as things twist and turn. We'll have both of you lads in Portugal with Norman reporting for the True Faith podcast for the Porto game. So we're all looking forward to that for patrons and
3: looking forward to seeing them Bember play. <laughs> yes, uh, um, hopefully badly. And, and
1: just Adam, do you want to give listeners a quick plug for the the transfer show you did with Bonan last night? Kind of a uh, tell the listeners what it's all about and how they can access it.
3: Yeah, um, I mean, uh went through all the transfer rumors from this week. Um lots of them very fanciful as you can imagine um because of the nature of the season ticket renewal day. Um lots of stories planted, but we talked through them all anyway. There'll obviously be a lot of agents giving a bit of bluster, but um you know, the sale of Matt Ritchie was was was, a, was one of the main topics of of our podcast. What do you as listeners think? Would you like to see him go? Do you understand why Rafa might want to let him go? Who would you like to see come in his place? Would Townsend be a suitable replacement for Matt Ritchie? Do you think we're going to get Kennedy? Will he come in on loan? Will he come in? Will we actually pay up front for him? I mean, what you know, there's a lot of rumours going around and there are going to be wholesale changes. We know that Rafa Benitez is brutal when he wants to be with a club. So so to do get, check out the transfers uh, podcast. It's... It's it's exclusive to Patreon subscribers only. It's five pounds a month. It's pretty much the price of a pint a month. Um so much content all through this summer and and plenty more once the season gets started as well. Um you'll be looking at f- four shows a week guaranteed. Um exclusive Newcastle content. You look at all the, the national podcasts that skirt skirt over a Newcastle result, you'll get in-depth with us, in-depth NUFC content. And it's, it's an absolute must-listen. Get involved with Patreon, fiver a month. It's absolutely no. What else are you going to spend it on? Lovely stuff. Uh, Rob, apart from
1: today, through a brand new social media platform, we haven't really heard from Rafa. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and I would advise everyone to Reference check out his Instagram, which I'm I'm gonna go for. His, it's one of his daughters, like theirs. I said, "Come on, Dad, we'll take some snaps of you out and about over the summer. Get them online, get a few thousand likes, boost the ego." Um, but yeah, last summer was very much despite the similar lack of transfer activity. So we're no we're no further ahead this summer than we were last summer. We signed a player who had not known already for less money this summer than last summer, and do mm. to our two. Um, we're brought in a free transfer. Yet last summer, Rafa was never out of the, the local press with the local press lads reporting how unhappy he was. Why is it so different this summer? Is he happier or is it different tactics from the manager?
2: I would like to think the reason that is genuinely that he's had some time off because we all know how much effort he puts in. constantly. I mean, you know, even at home, he must, he must do nothing but watch football and research stats, watch clips of players. I think we'd all, nobody would begrudge Rafa a week off work. He's, he's worked tirelessly for this club. And I I genuinely hope that the reason why we haven't heard from him is because he's, he's been relaxing and (laughs) had some time off. Um, and I think now that obviously the players are back training, um, he'll be looking to, to get a few statements out there, Get you know do a few interviews, what have you. I'm sure we'll be seeing a few things from him over the next few weeks. Um, clearly, he's going to be doing uh, interviews before the pre-season friendlies. Um, whether there's any sort of interviews at the training ground, that sort of thing. Hopefully, when we're signing players, we'll be hear- hearing from him. I say when we sign players. Um, I would like to be hearing from him his thoughts on it. Um, yeah, I I, I mean, I I don't know of any particular reason why we haven't heard from him, but that 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 would be the reason
3: why I would I would like to think it is. We can obviously read a lot into the fact that he might not have said anything in the press simply because I mean, it, you know, if if there wasn't this contract question mark hanging over the club, then him not saying anything in the media for a couple of weeks is. It's pretty innocuous, really. It's not really. Yeah, a, it's yeah. not really a story. But I think, I think it's partly the holiday. But that we know that we probably hasn't really gone on holiday. You'll still have set up the sabutio in his <laughs> yeah. in his holiday home and whatever. Like um.
1: a bloke, who, according to his Instagram post today, seems to have gone to the beach in, in a suit. <laughs>
3: Honestly, the, yeah. these kind of people take holidays. I don't know. Everybody needs to get on. I think it's Rafa Benitez RB oh, on on Instagram. It, out, it great. is. The, 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 early, the early signs are this is going to be a sensational <laughs> Instagram account and not to be missed. So as much as you need to get on board with Patreon, get on board with Rafa <laughs> Benitez on Instagram. I can't do a better plug Good than plug that. Off, but I also think that some of the silence has, has been Rafa just keeping his cards close to his chest, seeing how it plays out, um seeing what Charnley has to say as he reports back from Mike Ashley, I'm sure that Mike Ashley and Rafa Benitez are not in communication. I think he'll be just keeping his powder dry because I think if he comes out in the media, what's, I mean, he's just going to be get asked the inevitable questions. Are you signing a new contract? How much is your transfer budget? Maybe just wants to sit tight for a little bit and see how it plays out. I think I, think I can probably quite rightly assume that he's pissed off that we haven't brought in players before the World Cup we all knew how short this window was we all knew how important it was to get players in before the World Cup so he could start planning early you can't plan a season without knowing who your personnel is going to be so suddenly we have what five weeks or so Um, maybe less now where he still doesn't know who he still might not know who's playing up front he still might not know what his starting midfield is going to be? He might not know who's going to be playing on the wings. Is Richie going to be here or is Richie going to be gone? We is Kennedy going to come? We do not know. That's a that's so many important positions that haven't been that haven't been confirmed that he can even start planning for. I think he could probably start planning from the back, and what he, that's what probably what he will be doing because he probably knows that he probably knows what his back five are going to be, and arguably the the centre midfielders as well. But I think that you know the forward line. The goals and I, and I think for me this is one of the, the key issues this summer is we need we need goals we need to find a, a better goal score than we've had so I think he's been quiet yes a very well earned holiday and I think that will be part of it and that's probably how he'll play PR wise but I think there's a lot bubbling on the background and I think I think he's likely to be pretty annoyed at this point.
1: Well said. Uh, I'll put forward three possible reasons. Why I haven't heard from Rafa, and I'll let listeners kind of de- determine their own. Number one, it did nothing last season. It didn't make any difference. So we kicked up a massive stink. We all got really worried. He probably knows that, and it didn't help. Mike actually didn't budge. Justin Barnes didn't budge. In fact, they probably fucked him over more because that's the kind of people that are. Um, number two is that maybe he stopped caring. That's worrying. I don't want to really entertain it, but maybe he's thought, well, it's not worth me time because I've got one year, one more year. My contract. I'll do my best, but I tried and it didn't work. And number three is that he's confident in the plans for the club, he's on the same wavelength as Lee <laughs> Charlie Mike-Ashley, and he wow. knows that there are players coming,
3: what would he possibly have to complain about? So You did a really creepy Stepford Wives smile when you said yeah. that, Alex. <laughs> um, time,
1: time will tell. We're going to finish off the podcast by looking at... The fixtures for the new season. So, I mean, let's talk quickly through preseason, lads. I'll, you know, Rob started off. I mean, not that you can really critique Rafa's plans pre preseason, <laughs> but how is that for you? What do you? Why do you think he's gone for? what He's gone for.
2: Um, well, I, th- I, th- I actually personally think it's always. I- I'm not a big fan of these trips out of Asia and all that sort of thing. It's, it's got to, it's got to have a, a negative effect on the players' um, sort of physicality, hasn't it? I mean, it's, it's tiring. I like I like the idea of going over to Ireland again. Um, that seemed to, that seemed to be a good a, a good trip last. Last time,
1: he seems to be a creature of habit, doesn't he? Robert? Yeah,
2: yeah def- very much so. Yeah, and um, again, what we've got a, a short trip to Hull, um, we've got Augs- Augsburg at home, um, and then they added that uh, the the visit to Bra- uh, to Braga on after the
3: Porto game
2: as well. So.
3: And I think in, in 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 Porto and Braga, that's you know, you know, two of the top four uh, clubs in, in in Portugal. There, that will be a proper test. I think. Oh, okay. I think. You know, Hull City uh, and St. Patrick's Athletic will be more about setting up tactically, ready for those games. Augsburg will be um, probably a bit more comfortable, especially that it's at home. And I think I think with, with Porter and Brog, I think they're the key to, the, to pre-season. It's a little bit of uh, the first two games, just getting things set up. And how we approach those games away, um, it will be a test. And you'll want it to... But, you know, Rafa never plays into this. Oh, let's go on a jolly away kind of thing. He do, he he's not that kind of. Everything's done for. A, a, yeah, a well, genuinely, he's reason. not going to be yeah. like a a par you go nightclubbing yeah. or stealing Steal a taxi, taxi. Yeah. It, it's, opening a Sports
1: Direct in Ireland. That <laughs> happened a few years ago, so I don't think that will be happening.
3: <laughs> <laughs> no. Uh, no, so I think um I think it's a, it's a it's a mix of opposition, um but you know. Augsburg won't be won't be sniffed at either. They'll they'll give a relative test, but I think you'll be looking for a bit of a bit of a confidence booster there at home. Um in front of a you know, the, the crowds you get for these um these um preseason friendlies at St James's Park, just like a week before the, the season are usually pretty decent. You'll get about fifteen, twenty thousand or or something. There'll be a reasonable crowd for that. Even more maybe, I don't know. But um I think that's I think it's there'll be a lot of logic gone into that, I think, uh from Rafa Benitez. Yeah.
1: Yeah, and I'm I'm pleased for the fans like yourselves who will be going over, and it's like you know Newcastle Twitter was awash with excitement, which hasn't happened very often. Um, when that fixture was announced, end of July last week and end July, schools are off, um, you know enough time to book reasonably affordably. Although it was it's a hard place to get to, um, and I think you're going to see a couple of thousand, maybe more mags, just you know reliving the European glory days, but without the pressure and stress. So. Long, long may it continue. And personally, for I might go to Hull. We're trying to cover every preseason game with you. We'll have um, someone from the podcast going to Ireland, so we're going to have Ireland Porto covered for you, video wise, podcast wise. You've got to keep with True Faith on Patreon if you want to know what's going on in preseason with Newcastle United. Um, Braga's fucked. Well, unfortunately, we'll probably not be at that one. <laughs> but um, Hull, Hull, there are some serious demons to uh, <laughs> exercise, <A little> exercise <laughs> there because God that. If you thought that penalty shootout against Colombia was was hot, <laughs> gut wrenching, and, and you yeah, know heart yeah, racing, yeah. I was there that night, and it was cold. Oh my god, it was cold at Hull that night in the quarter final, and we were the we were by mile the better team. Hull we were, were not in we the were, game yeah. and were took terrible penalties, like beyond terrible. Like Shelby's penalty was shit. Gales penalty was like it wasn't bad. Look, it was just shit penalties. Um, Gufaner <laughs> thinks the only one who scored like a decent yeah. pen but Christ, I'd love to do them 5 or 6-0. Um. But I,
3: uh, I I, spent four of, my, four of my formative years in Hull, went to university there, and it's a bloody good night out in Hull. It is class. It's pretty cheap as well. So if you are going down to Hull, you're, you're in for a good night, whatever the result, I promise you.
1: <laughs> so we're gonna, we'll end off the pod quickly, lads. Uh, you have to play every team twice. That's how it goes. But it seems that we have been handed, what have we been handed, what, one, two, three four of the top five in opening five games the other game being just like last season Cardiff you know the, the other newly promoted side away from home it's so, funny that I know it's almost yeah. yeah it's
3: almost like they're in cahoots with Sky yeah, exactly <laughs>
1: and you kind of you look at where fixtures and you've got Palace away and Leicester at home you don't basically you don't have anyone from the bottom half at home which are which are your kind of three-point bankers the things were very good at last season I think were Bournemouth and West Bromwich side were one nearly all of the games against the bottom half, which you have to do to stay in the Premier yeah, League. Yeah. So, I mean, Rob, start off, uh, do you care? or you worried? <laughs> do you think it's good to get these out of the way? How do you say it's good?
2: Well, the general consensus, I think, is that people think it's good to get these games out of the way early, isn't it? I mean, I think you can see it from both sides. Um, a difficult start isn't necessarily a negative... Um, <sighs> The Cardiff away, the Cardiff away. You know that game's going to be difficult as well. Um, I I can see us definitely picking up a a few points and going back to the 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 you know the decent results we had at the end of last season against you know Chelsea, Arsenal, Man United should buoy the team to have confidence that we can at least get a point out of those games, especially the home games. So yeah, I'm not too concerned to be honest. I think we'll we'll still pick up some points.
3: As we you know as we found out last season. Home to Man United, home to Arsenal, away to Leicester, like we won those games. Yet we drew away to West Brom, bottom of the table. We lost at home to home and away to Watford. We, you you cannot really call it, to be honest. I think you know Spurs at home, Chelsea at home, Arsenal at home. They're they're teams that in the last couple of Premier League seasons we played. Yes, before relegation as well. Um, that w- that we've won those games. They're, 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 I don't think they're massively to fear. We've had a worse record against Leicester at home in, in recent seasons, so we've probably got more reason to fear Leicester. Um, Arsenal will have a new manager, a lot of new signings. They might not have got up to full speed yet, although that's a month in, so that might be critical. Man City's a freebie. Um, Chelsea going to have a new manager as well. And... And as I said, Spurs are going to be fatigued. I think. I think we. I think we. I think we'll beat Cardiff. I really do. I, I, I. It's not like a Huddersfield who are having their first ever Premier League home game. It's Cardiff who've been up and down, up and down, who are going to be spending big and hope that that, that things come together. I think Rafa Benitez is a better manager, um, and yeah, I, I, I'm. I'm. I'm quite optimistic about that. It looks scary, but. Let's have no fear. We've got Rafa Benitez.
1: Almost as important as the teams you play are the luck you get with injuries. So last season, we ended the first game with no Dummett for six months nearly, no Shelby for a few games, and then his uh, form falling off a cliff and coming out the team and no Lejeune for six weeks and then coming back clearly unfit and undercooked. So... I'd rather those things didn't happen than than worry about who we play because if, if those three things would happen again, would be fucked. I just say it like we would yeah. if those three players dropped out the team in the mm-hmm. first game of the season, we would or four players even. Yeah. Oh no, sorry, the cells didn't get injured. Ignore that one. The entry, well, it's yeah, it's yeah. all
3: about you know, it's all about getting the momentum, getting the, yeah. getting the team gelled, rather than who we play because yeah. Yeah. We, we we got good results against good teams. Mm-hmm. It shouldn't matter. It's all like you say. It's all about. That cohesion
1: it's, in one aspect, it's exciting because if we do get good results in those games, can you imagine how fucking nuts the place will go? If we're like seventh after that first month, yeah. having played the teams we've mm. played with arguably easier fixtures to come. I, I totally agree with what you say. In the Premier League, it's never that easy, but
3: it's like a confidence multiplier, yeah. isn't it? Oh yeah. And,
1: and I think you were right, Adam, with what you said earlier. That 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 Spurs game is a great opportunity. To get off to a good start, and if we get off to a good start against Spurs, I can't see we're losing at Cardiff, and then you know you'd go into man whoever Chelsea at home after that, and it's almost like we'll win this. We'll probably, we'll probably top
3: the league. So I'm getting ahead of myself. <laughs> I'm looking forward to Jose Perez outmuscling Jan Vertonghen again. That's that's going <laughs> to yeah. be that's going to be a real highlight. Get one, the get the gift makers ready. One
1: final change to finish off um, this season. Unlike previous seasons, there are four well three Premier League games. Four. four? Four Premier League games before the international break. Traditionally, it's three. Last season, it was Spurs, West Ham and Huddersfield break. Then we had Swansea after that. This season, you've got kind of five games before the international break. So it's you kind of get a little bit of a better feel before that two-week break. So I think that's really positive because it did your head in last year, beating West Ham and then having to wait two weeks again to play uh, on the Sunday at Swansea. So that's about it. Rob and Adam, thank you so much for your time tonight. Thanks very much. I hope it's been all right. First free podcast of the seven... season, I'll get used to it eventually Um, (laughs) we'll have various free podcasts as the pre-season continues every time we sign a player we'll have instant reaction and journalist reaction um, on Patreon we've had a fantastic chat with uh, the BBC and ESPN's Uh, Asian football correspondent for the signing of Key. Um, We've got all that on Patreon, um, at least four podcasts a week for a fiver, so it's like 16 podcasts a month for a fiver. Sign up if you don't like it. You can always cancel, Um, but we're we're confident you will. So thanks very much for listening. One final thing you can do for the podcast, if you like what we do, give a five-star review on iTunes or Facebook. That would be about there. Cheers.
4: Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about, but why? What do we know about magnesium?